Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hey, Cam. Yes, Jeff. You know, we're, we're fortunate we didn't lose our jobs during the uh, lockdown and the COVID and all that stuff. Um, do you know anybody that lost their job? Do you have anyone close, family or friends that, that uh, is not working anymore? Well, I know I know a few people that lost their jobs in the early stages of the pandemic. You know, fortunately, I, I think most of them are, are back at work now. We're able to, you know, get back into into that. Uh, what about you? Yeah, actually, uh, it's kind of the reason I brought it up. Uh, one of my very best friends lost his job here recently, and hasn't been taking it very well. And um, you know, when your friends are down, you try to take them out or, or cheer them up or do something. And um, everything I try. It just doesn't work. Jeff, this is a very serious matter. You shouldn't joke about things. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Chatting Average Podcast with your hosts, Riley's Race and the Big Chop Man. Welcome to your friendly neighborhood Atlanta Braves podcast. Welcome to Chatting Average. I'm your host, Cam Matthews, taking over lead host duties for Alex this week. And joining me this week is the master of Chatting Average, a man so rich. He called Mark Zuckerberg today and told him to freak people out for a few hours. Mr. Jeff Donahue. Jeff, how you doing, buddy? Mr. Matthews, how are you, sir? Doing well, man. Doing well. Glad to have you uh glad to have you back on the show with us this week. Say, Jeff, what are you drinking tonight? Well, if you uh have listened to the show previously, you know that I'm a bourbon man. So uh I've got a uh rocks glass with E. H. Taylor, small batch. I like it. I like it. What about you? What you got in the glass? Well, not to be outdone, Jeff, because I figured you would have some brown liquor in a glass this evening. I am drinking some Evan Williams Bottled in Bond, one of my personal favorites, a very affordable bourbon, but a quality bourbon at that. Sip of bourbon for the working man. Absolutely. Here, here. Here, here. Well, hey, speaking of drinking stuff, I want to just do a quick segue and remind you that Chatting Average is brought to you by Sports Drink Media. Sports Drink Media is a conglomerate podcast company bringing you sports podcasts from all over the country on all different teams and topics. And, of course, we want to remind you to check out 
Spotify Green Room. Folks, you know the deal by now. Spotify Green Room, interactive voice-only podcast platform that you can join. You can download it on iOS and Android devices. Hop on a call with some friends or even strangers. Meet new folks. Talk about topics that you both like, specifically sports, mind you. And uh, it's free to download, free to use, very easy to use. In fact, you remember Alex and I just uh, called a game a few weeks ago on Spotify Green Room. So be sure to check that out. Download it on your mobile app today, Spotify Green Room. So, Jeff, it's been a little while. It has been. I think I last toasted with you when uh, Mr. Rakes was at uh, Red Rocks. So it's been That's a, right. Since the middle of summer. That's right. That's right. Uh, in fact, I believe looking back at the Skype chat, it was June 27th, the last time that you were on the show with me. And it seems like at that time, uh, we had just lost Ronald Acuna for the season. Things were not looking great. And we're going to get to that a little bit more later because, boy, howdy, do we have plenty to talk about with the Atlanta Braves in the week that they just had. But, Jeff, what else you got going on, man? Um. Not a whole lot. Things are well. Um, getting ready for some postseason baseball. Baseball in October is always the best, uh, especially if your team is in it. Um, got a weekend trip coming up later this month to a lake house, a family lake house up in Lake Blue Ridge. Uh, we're going to go spend a long weekend up there towards the end of this month and just kind of unwind and have a good time with the fam. Um, not much else going on. What about you? Man, you know, just work, getting ready for uh, getting ready for postseason baseball, calling high school football games every Friday, you know, the usual this time of year. Fun stuff, though. So, all right, you mentioned you mentioned the end of the month, which, of course, the very last day of this fine month of October that we're in is one of my favorite days across the entire year, despite my normal co-host not being a huge fan of this day. Jeff, I, I got think- I don't think Alex likes any holidays. He, he's just he's like anti-holiday of them all. Well, he is he is quite the old curmudgeon, but you know. Um, Jeff, what is your opinion on the great holiday that is Halloween? Okay. Uh, not all right, I already don't like your answer. <laughs> did, did the long pause and sigh give it away? Um, a little bit. Okay, Halloween is not one of my favorite. However, I have an 11-year-old, so doing Halloweens with him have been fun up the years with him dressing up and, uh, you know, doing the, 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 the trick or treating and all that fun stuff. It, I've gotten back into it. Um, but you know, I, I kind of did the typical, like I was into it when I was a kid, you get a little bit older and it's more of like adult parties at bars or something like that. And then you kind of right. get out of it. And then now you have kids and get back into it. So, um, it's fun. It's I, I enjoy it. I, I got I'm at the point now where I enjoy people coming to my house to kind of see what they're dressed up as. So I'm like like I, I instead of going out, I like to be here to give out the candy and and all of that. So um, but yeah, it's, it's oh, also so you, so you do open up the uh, the front gates that night for everybody. We do. We women. We still have a guest list. I, I gotcha. I gotcha. We hand, okay. we handpick what kids that we because we give out cash. Here <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so we actually give out uh, bundles of of hundreds. Um, so, you know, you get a lot of kids wanting to come up, but um, we, we hand select a few. But um, in, in all seriousness, I enjoy it, but it's not by any means close to one of my favorite ones. I gotcha. I gotcha. Well, that's a better answer than Alex would have given me. So that's yeah. fine. And, that's but fine. I, I, I still despise candy corn. All right. Look, we, we can have a long. De- ooh, ooh, speaking of candy corn. Ooh, I knew speaking you were going of- there. <laughs> I know where this is going. 
it's right, a winding candy, road. It's a winding road. Of, <laughs> yes, it is. So, okay, so speaking of candy corn, um, I may or may not have caused Urban Meyer to get divorced from his wife. <laughs> <laughs> is that an overreaction? Maybe. Yeah, it's, 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 it's to be determined, I think. Uh, it depends on the level of apology he gave out today as to how uh, Mrs. Meyer responds. But I mean, That was an it, apology? Well, it, someone <laughs> wrote something that he said some words, and it sounded like one. But right. I mean, I mean, I, if I were you, I'd be a little nervous, because if they split up, I think she's probably going to be knocking on your door for some uh, candy corn. She might be. She might be. So as those remember uh, mentioned on the show last week, Shelly Meyer, wife of NFL head coach Urban Meyer, may or may not have jumped into my mentions talking about candy corn. And then uh, this past this past week, uh, Urban Meyer got found with his hand in the uh, candy corn bowl. Maybe <laughs> maybe a little a little too deep there. <laughs> boy, oh boy. Uh, he was on her like white on rice. That was not a uh, not a good situation. Scott for Scott's here. You ever want to grow new grass faster? Kind of like when you press the two times playback button on your podcast so you can speed through episodes. Except it's Scott's Turf Builder Rapid Grass. You're speeding your way from a thin and damaged lawn to a thicker, stronger one in just weeks. Bit too fast, maybe slow it down, okay. Let's just go back to normal speed. Get a bag of Scott's Turf Builder Rapid Grass today. It grows grass two times faster than seed alone when applied at the new lawn rate subject to proper care. Feed your lawn. Feed it. At all. It was like uh, candy corn on nuts. <laughs> That was what she suggested I do, too. That's the bad thing. <laughs> oh, man. oh, no, man. Boy, funny stuff. Funny stuff. So how quickly does he fake a heart attack when she confronts him about it? Uh, he's probably already uh, consulted his cardiologist for some advice. <laughs> oh, man. Well, hey, speaking of football, um, I guess – I guess since you're on here and you are probably the biggest Bulldogs fan I know, things are things are going pretty well for your college team of choice there, Jeff. Yeah, they're not uh, they're not doing too bad at all. Uh, of course, if you are a fan of any team within the state of Georgia's physical boundaries, you you don't you don't think about that. You don't think about how great they're doing. You just kind of <laughs> just week to week, game to game. Okay, they're doing pretty well. Um, well, Jeff, let me just say, I think they're doing great, and I think they got a shot. I'm just – I'm not saying that. You're not going to be saying that. Um, I mean, they uh, only have the best defense in all of college football right now, Jeff. What could go wrong? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree with you there. They, they do have one hell of a defense. They're, uh, Jordan Davis is like three people's worth of a person. He's amazing. Um, but, you know, Bama and uh, Bama and, and Georgia are the only two SEC teams in the top 10 as of today. And uh, it's a weird top 25. It's neat. It's kind of cool to look through and see some different teams like Coastal oh, Carolina's yeah. in there. And you got some, I mean, Kentucky beat Florida. So now they went from not even being ranked into I think they're 16th now. So, well, hell, um, the ACC, I think, only has two teams in the top 25, period. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, like, it, 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 it's a weird year, man. Michigan State's coming through there. I mean, there's, there's a lot of teams that aren't normally in the upper part of the top 25 that you're seeing. And um, you still got Arkansas and Florida and Ole Miss and uh, Kentucky hanging out, I think on the back half of the, the top 10 or the, um, excuse me, the top 20. But um, yeah, Georgia's sitting at number two. Uh, I, I like where they're sitting right now. Um, the schedule looks pretty favorable for us. Um, but you know, that's, that's all I'm going to say about that. What did, so 
you guys had the had the 12 o'clock game this past Saturday against Arkansas, and you know you kind of slaughtered the pigs that day. Yeah. But so I'm assuming then that you tuned in at 3:30 for the Alabama Ole Miss game. I tuned in uh, till halftime, and uh, the popcorn. Hey, so did Lane Kiffin. Yeah, the popcorn that I was told to have <laughs> for the game uh, was was cold, and so I, I I didn't know when I was supposed to start eating it because Old Smith or uh, Ole Miss didn't do anything. So, oh, gosh. Um, I, I after halftime, I I kind of I think I switched to something else and was just kind of going back and forth. Right. Yeah, and and is it weird to think though that coming into that game, I legitimately thought Ole Miss was going to fare much better than they did. I thought they would play better than they did. I I, I, no, I, I did, at no point did I think that they could win that game, but I at least thought, okay, Lane's going to come out. He's going to have a couple tricks up his sleeve. He's going to make it interesting, you know, maybe in the first half. Yeah. But no, they looked awful. <laughs> yeah, and, and I mean, I. I... I get his moves and his thoughts of, hey, go for it on fourth down. I mean, you're not going to, you're not certainly not going to score on them giving them the ball back. But some of the field position where they, where they were when he decided for those calls was a little questionable in my mind. I mean, if you're, if you're midfield, you're like, you know, if you're 40 to 40, go for it, man. But when you're, when you're backed up to the 25, you're, I mean, you might as well just go ahead and give them the touchdown. Like, I don't even, well, wasn't he just, within his own 15 at one point? I don't know exactly where the yardage was, but he was way back. I mean, it was like Bama just they, – they could already smell the end zone. Yeah. Um, and you don't even want to give Bama a full field. You surely don't want to give them 20 yards. But, um, I mean, I get, I, like I said, I get, his, I get his thought process. You got to go out there and you got to go hard. And, um, unfortunately, they just didn't execute worth a damn. But, um, and then they had the garbage timeout or the uh, garbage touchdowns there at the end. But um, that game was over no, – that game was pretty much over by halftime. Oh, for sure. For sure. So speaking of college football uh, and, and Saturdays in the fall, Jeff, I remember a few weeks ago in our group chat that your wife had begun decorating your house for yes. the fall season. It is decorated. How much more was added on? Because you sent us a few photos, but it was still early in the morning at that point. Let's see. We uh, I say we I have no part in any of this other than bringing it up from our barn um, where we store all the stuff. Uh, since the pictures that I sent you guys that morning, we've added, um, mums, gourds, I think an actual pumpkin, some fake leaves that actually blend in with our real oak leaves that are falling off the trees. Actually, yesterday she had me remove the, the real authentic leaves away from the dead leaves because, or the fake leaves because you couldn't see the fake leaves. Um, okay. That's kind of like taking down cobwebs on your front porch and putting up fake cobwebs. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I kind of double double looked because I was like, you, you want me to pick the aesthetic <laughs> of the real leaves away from the fake leaves so people can see them. And then we have some pretty white lights running through it. It's actually very nice. Um, and, you know, we have the the fall dead wreath on the door. <laughs> um, right, right. Yeah. So it's, it's more fall than Halloween. We'll, we'll do like the skeleton on the porch or something like that coming up here. Uh, I'm sure in the next few weeks, but. Um, we were out yesterday uh, running some errands, and she bought some um, Christmas decorations. We, they're not oh, up, no. but we have made the first purchases of the year for Christmas stuff. She already has the theme. She's um she has big like vision board energy. Like we you know I, 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 <laughs> like you know we have sketches and things like that. She's she's in marketing and communications and stuff, so she always likes to have a plan. And I gotcha. A vision and visual aids and references and stuff. So. Um, I, I've, I've learned that 
it makes her happy to do that stuff and it makes me happy when she's happy and I, it doesn't mean that much to me so if she wants to do a theme or something let her do it it's fine that's it yeah yeah okay so that, that's that's a really good point not to get into like the philosophy of relationships too much as we sip our bourbons on this monday evening but that's a really good point of you know if it makes your significant other happy and it's not hurting anything is it worth raising concerns about you know what i mean like i'm not saying like let everything just go but i mean you know choose your battles wisely and decide is it actually worth me saying something about this yeah and when it comes to christmas i'm i'm fairly traditional in the sense i like you know the christmas tree with the white lights and i like and especially us living in an older home in a a historic district i don't want to look like the griswolds with like reindeer on the roof and (laughs) right 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 like cousin eddie out in the yard i I wanted to look nice you know and presentable but she has a taste about it that like whatever she did like she asked me can we do colored lights outside like the you know the different color lights yeah yeah. and um my first like my inner voice was like "Eh." and i got to think i was like wait she's gonna make sure it looks great like she's never gonna make it look gaudy she's never gonna make it look bad right um you know so by the time she had like the you know colorful christmas lights out of her mouth i'm like sure you know whatever you know i'm sure i mean i gotta hang lights up anyway so the color doesn't really make a difference but um so you know we're gonna do like the we're gonna do a little bit different look to it than it normally does because typically we do you know kind of like that you know pretty southern white house you know kind of thing yeah Um, yeah. but we're going to mix it up this year when uh when do you guys usually uh typically decorate for for christmas (laughs) um november 1st at 1201 a.m ah gotcha like, like the second halloween is over it's like you see in the TV shows, like where they do like a set change, like we turn the house up around and like, yeah, it's yeah. like Halloween that <laughs> turns back around and it's already Christmas. Right. Um, that's pretty much it. She likes it. And when we first got married, I'm like, why are you decorating for Christmas before Thanksgiving? I was like that guy, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, and Christmas is like she she loves to build up to Christmas so much. It's her favorite time of the year. So she explained it. She goes, well, if we decorate before Thanksgiving, you get longer time to enjoy it. And that first year we were married that you know, it was the first time I'd ever decorated for Christmas before Halloween or before uh, Thanksgiving and hundred percent. Right. Like it was cool. We get like, it felt like a longer holiday. We got to enjoy it more often. Um, and plus that year we had a home tour. We were part of a, um, Ackworth does this thing where they have like a collection of older homes and people get to tour them and we don't get paid for it, but we volunteer. Right, right, right. And so, uh, it looked really, really good. And we had it done, um, prior to Thanksgiving and people like the response was huge. People loved it. And we were the only house on the whole tour that was decorated for Christmas. And we were the last house on the tour. So we kind of like, you know, it's like the parade, like Santa's at the end. So everybody. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So I don't know if it'll be November 1st, but it's going to be early in November. We'll have it decorated. Um, and I've noticed that some of the neighbors around us are kind of taking up suit. Like the next door neighbors will kind of go, Oh, they've got their stuff. We need to do our stuff. And so we're starting to see the other right. house kind of following along. So that's a, uh, that's when we do it sometime in November. Well, I'm sure uh, Dr. Bobble would be very happy with your answer there. Oh, there, I'm Jeff. sure. I'm, yeah. No, yeah. It, no, you technically don't have your new house built yet. So Not are yet. You, are you gonna, is your new home going to be done before Christmas? Are you going to have something to decorate or no? No, not right. Not not as of now. Unfortunately, there's been a couple of, of delays, so it'll be 
it'll be after Christmas uh, before we get in there. But that's all right. We're still gonna we're still gonna do the full decorating uh, here in our here in our current house. And you know, originally that was something we were kind of on the fence about of of like you know, well maybe we'll just put up our tree, you know, just so we at least have that inside. And you know, but we're gonna be in the process of packing and moving. But now that that's been pushed back a little bit, we're like, all right, we'll, we'll do the normal Christmas thing one more time here and and enjoy all of that. Yeah, you know, I gotta tell you, like last year was one of my favorite Christmases that I've had in a while, despite, you know, everything that was going on, you know, in the outside world, you know, typically the Christmas season for us is like super busy between a bunch of family events and then, you know, like social event, you know, whether it's church or work or whatever, you know, being involved in that, like every weekend you've got something different to do between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Well, we didn't really have that last year. So what was cool was like right around Thanksgiving, we sat down and my wife and I did and we were like, all right, what are what is every Christmas movie, Christmas special, Christmas activity we want to do at home over the next month? And we literally wrote out a calendar. And so every day we would get to come home from work and say, oh, it's December 4th. Uh, tonight we're watching Muppet Christmas Carol. Awesome. Yeah. Let's do oh, that. We've, we've already got ours planned out. We, we, we're nice. Yep. So I say we again. She planned it. I just, <laughs> I just say. Okay, I, she, you know, she's like, what movies do you want to watch? We, you know, we have to watch Home Alone. Um, that's that's our kickstart. Like that, when we watch Home Alone, that is the start of the holiday season for us. Um, and there's there's a handful. I mean, she loves Elf and she loves uh, the Santa Claus, and she's the kind that will say the line before it's delivered in the movie. So like, I'm, I feel like I watch it twice because like, yeah, she'll say it. And, say, <laughs> um, and, and that's just her thing. And then when we're around her family, they all like, you know, they all have their inside jokes about those two movies. So. I'm just kind of like on the outside going, <laughs> yeah, you know, like, mm-hmm. and they're like throwing one-liners and finishing each other's sentences. But yeah, like the, the, we, we do fun little things like the movie nights and we have like the pajama nights and there's one night where we'll put on like, you know, Christmas gear and we'll go look for uh, Christmas lights in the neighborhood and stuff like that. Yeah. So we, we do a lot of stuff that, that uh, it, it's not just like, you know, we don't just wait for the season to come to us. Like we actively go do stuff, you know? That's cool. Very cool. Well, hey, Jeff, speaking of the season and the most wonderful time of year, time of the year, some folks could say that this coming week begins the most wonderful time of the year. How about we take a look at the Atlanta Braves season and what comes next as your Atlanta Braves are the 2021 National League East champions? Well, folks, to say that it was a tumultuous season for the Atlanta Braves would be a clear understatement. But before we get into all that, we do need to take a look back at the previous week for your Atlanta Braves. Now, coming into the week, the Braves had just a very thin lead over the Philadelphia Phillies. To this point, the New York Mets have already been eliminated from postseason contention. So it's down to two, Atlanta and Philadelphia. So we come in to Tuesday, September 28th, first game against the Phillies at home. Charlie Morton on the mound for Atlanta, and boy, oh boy, did Charlie Morton go out and do Charlie Morton things. Seven innings pitched, three hits, no runs, ten strikeouts. Just the start that the Braves needed. They pulled out a two-to-one victory over the Phillies. That one run scored in the top of the ninth, believe it or not, was not Will Smith's fault. <laughs> Jeff, I know that uh, I know it's been a hard season for you and our our uh, roller coaster closer, but at least that wasn't his fault that night. 
man, I want, we may have talked about it before. I don't, I don't recall, but like, I really want Will Smith to do well. I don't dislike Will Smith at all. I just get so frustrated at it. You know, I, yeah, it, it, it's spoiled to think you could have a shutdown inning or a clean inning every outing. That's obviously not going to happen, but it's just frustrating to see kind of the same outing every time. And not every time, but like, you know, the majority of his outings, most recently anyway, have been you're going to walk someone, you're probably going to hit someone, you're going to give up a home run, and you're going to make it tight. And, you know, and, and he does have the game three goes up there and it's one, two, three, or, you know, like the other night, I think he threw eight pitches. Um, I think it's just the inconsistency is what uh, makes everyone so upset. But at the same time, well, you got to think like there's a ton of closers out there that don't have clean innings. I think it's just, we see it all the time. Um, right. Right. And the end result, if he gets the win or gets the save, great. Uh, or preserves the win, excuse me. But um, it's just, I think it's, it, you just never have that, easy okay we're gonna get this thing locked down there's always some drama there's always some tension there's always you gotta load the bases to get out of it you know but um i guess at the end of the day he still gets the uh, primarily he gets the 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 save oh yeah yeah absolutely and again you know there was a an error in deep left field that allowed you know runners getting scoring position a sacrifice fly but uh no real harm done in in the two to one victory so the braves take game one and the magic number shrinks to three we head into Wednesday night where Max Freed was going to be on the mound against Aaron Nola. Some really good pitching matchups in this series. And what does Max Freed do coming off the back of a Charlie Morton seven-inning start? Well, Max Freed goes seven innings, only allowing four hits, one earned run, and six strikeouts. Max Freed's deepest start against the Phillies. Coming into that night, Jeff, I didn't realize this. Max had never gone more than five innings against the Phillies in his entire career. I would I would have never guessed that. Yep, yep. Ben Ben Ingram actually mentioned that in his pregame on on Wednesday night, and sure enough, Max Free goes out and tosses an absolute gem. Of course, the bats picked up picked up some steam that night as well, putting four runs up in the seventh to eventually win the game seven to two. And like that, the magic number is down to one. Now, Jeff. At this point, we've gotten the magic number down to one. There are theoretically five Braves games left compared to Phillies four, you know, considering that we still technically had a game left to make up today against Colorado that, of course, got nixed. But what are your thoughts at this point with the magic number being down to one? You only need one win or one Phillies loss to take the division. Uh, If you reference what I said a little while ago, if you're a fan of Georgia sports teams, you never are comfortable. Uh, <laughs> no, you, you you could see it. I, I feel like you could. It, maybe it's just us thinking it, but I felt like you could see the Philly spirit breaking. Like they they didn't get that game one. I think they had to get that game one to get. We had there. Zach Wheeler on the mound, who, yeah, who like, was their best pitcher all season. Yeah, like they 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 literally threw everything they could at us in that first game, and you know they kept it tight. And and I I think if they had won, they would have, and at least in their minds, would build momentum or could have made a run per se. But uh, I think with us striking first and then free coming out. And uh, if I remember correctly, he didn't, you know, he didn't have his ace stuff that night, but he, he eventually settled in and, and became, uh, or settled down and, and, and pitched a lot better. But uh, I, I think once we got down to, to one, one game for the magic number, I think everybody kind of started licking their chops and they could taste it. And I think the, especially the Braves, they're like, okay, we, we can do this. You know, this is, 
this is doable now. We're, we're going to close it out. And, and they did. That's right. Close it out, they did. We head into Thursday night, game three against the Phillies. Braves need just one win. Starting on the mound for the for Atlanta was Ian Anderson. Ian goes six innings, allowing three hits, two earned runs, with two strikeouts and two walks. Well, that was good enough to help the Braves come along and win. A late threat by the Phillies, however, in the seventh and eighth. But sure enough, Atlanta's bats were able to carry them through. Final score, five to three. The Braves take the division for the fourth consecutive season. And this is... Jeff, this is kind of where I wanted to pause and take a moment to just look at the season as a whole. Uh, you know, the last time you were on this show, Atlanta was in a very much, very different spot than how they ended up here at the end of the season. Due in part to a lot of guys stepping up and due in part to some key deadline acquisitions at the trade deadline. I, I think I even said it Thursday night on Twitter that. I don't know if Atlanta gets to this point without some of those moves that were made at the deadline. Oh, so, absolutely. There's, there's no way. I, I, I had, I told my wife one day when uh, we had not, not obviously clinched. It may have even been back during the, the, the D-back series, but um, I, I just, we were talking about it. And I said, it's amazing to me that it took our number one player, our generational talent, and Acuna getting hurt was actually kind of the fulcrum in all this because without him going down, none of those guys, you know, Rosario, Duvall coming back, Solaire, uh, Rich Rod, um, they, they wouldn't be here. And every single one of those guys um, contributed, not just once or twice or in a clutch situation, but all the time, like series after series, night after night, you know, these guys, they, they, they felt at least to me, it felt like they have played with us all season long. Like they, they meshed well with us. They came in right away. Of course, Rosario obviously was, you know, had to come out, come in later because the injury, but they, they, they just plugged right in. And um, I, I honestly don't know if we would have gotten out of the rut that we were in without their help. And, and unfortunately it took Acuna not being in the lineup to, to kickstart all that, but um, it just a totally different team from the, the first two thirds of the season to the last third of the season. Like, I mean, you, you can't even compare them. They don't even, the team doesn't look the same. So um, I certainly, uh, and I feel pretty confident saying that almost everyone, at least that we know, counted them out. I'm sure there's a couple people that are diehards that, you know, never, no matter what the situation is, they never pick, call them out or whatever, but, or never, you know, count them out. But um, they couldn't even win back-to-back -back games. They weren't over 500. Uh, they didn't look like they had any spark, and all of a sudden AA throws down the hammer right there in the last few minutes of the uh, or the last hour of the deadline, and all of a sudden the team catches fire, and here we are. It's uh, it's unbelievable. It's remarkable what he did that none of us thought he was going to do, and uh, he comes away looking like a genius. Yeah, so I I, I public you know I've made the statement on this show when. When Ronald went down, I made the comment because at that point, I think we were in third place, maybe in second place, but still hadn't gotten over 500 yet. I made the comment at the time that when you lose a guy like Acuna, then you look at the rest of your season and any wins you can get from that point as playing with house money. In fact, we had an episode on this show titled House Money because that was the whole premise was that, hey, take whatever you can get the rest of the season. And we'll go. We'll look at next year. 
not to say like you gave up, but like at least revel in whatever it is that you could accomplish this year. Jeff, let me let me just kind of in a nutshell take you back through the season that we just went through. Okay. Okay. We started out the season by being swept by Philadelphia. Not the first time it happened. But then you barely managed to scrape by and take two out of three from Toronto. And then the next week you have the Alec Bohm game happen. And that feels like it kind of took some wind out of out of the player's sails. And then not long after that, you had that series down in Florida against the Toronto Blue Jays where we got swept over the weekend and we looked entirely outmatched. The entire and it wasn't a close sweep. We we weren't close in any of those games. No, they hammered us that that series. Toronto, yeah, Toronto destroyed us. And in the meanwhile, we lost Travis Darnot. He tears a ligament in his thumb in that series. So now suddenly we're down our starting catcher. We bring a guy named Kevin Smith into the fold, and he becomes our primary catcher for the majority of the season. Jeff, do you realize that we had seven different catchers start for us this season? Yeah, I mean it was a it was a carousel, you know, there for a while. And I, when when Darno went down, um, I think he's he's probably looked at as maybe one of the underrated players on the roster. I know certainly in my eyes he 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 was, and and that's proof that when he came back, all the stuff that he was able to do. But um, when he went down, I I didn't think it was doom and gloom, you know, because we had you know, Contreras, and I was like, okay, you know, he'll do fine, and and um, he didn't, you know, and then they started <laughs> bringing other folks in and, and, um, you know, I thought, okay, well, they brought Smith from Tampa Bay. He'll be okay. Um, and he, man, he, he was terrible. And I know somebody will probably pull up stats. I'm not a stat guy. So they may say, Oh, his war was this and his OPS. Well, I, I don't know his optics. He looked terrible. I mean, he could not hit the ball. He didn't, he, he may have been an, an absolute amazing like game caller, which is probably his strong suit. And maybe the reason he started so many games, um, but I was, I was not really sad when, when he was uh, released, I, I was kind of okay with that. So then, then Christian Pasha gets hurt, goes on the aisle, and this is kind of where things started to feel a little bit ridiculous. Now, Pache wasn't performing nearly how we would have preferred him to. And of course he never came back up this season. And then you're at the point where you get through April, you still don't have a winning record. But you say, well, it's first first month of the season. We'll be fine. And then you get through May, and you still don't have a winning record. And then a certain situation happens with a certain former outfielder designated hitter of ours. And suddenly the optics of this season go from not great to kind of bad. And I think this was the turning point for a lot of people where, and I maybe even used a phrase at one point, that this team began to feel snake bit. That yeah, was bad mojo going on. Well, you know, okay, so I think it was a couple of years ago. Remember at one point when the Yankees had like 12 or 13 different players on the IL at one time? And, you know, and everybody around the league looks at that and laughs and, is, and says, oh, how ridiculous is that? How does something like that happen? Well, all of a sudden – that started to feel like our our deck, you know, our, our hand that we had drawn that crap. It's our time to have all this bad luck. And then Waskar Enoa 
breaks his hand in one of the more boneheaded ways possible. And then in late June, you lose Ronald Acuna in a, with a horrific injury. He tears his ACL completely, gone for the season, just trying to make a good play on the outfield. And all of this stuff keeps piling on top of each other. Mind you, all the while, we're at the end of June. We are nearing the halfway point of the season, and the Braves still have not clipped 500 yet. I, I think it, for me personally, like, you know, kind of how you described everything happened kind of back to back to back. It was like this this chain of events that just it was either. It was like a six week period where Braves yeah. baseball was absolutely brutal. Yeah. And, and, and you just kind of go, OK, what's next? And like the, you know, a thing I remember not even being mad. I just kind of laughed I was like, like cynically, obviously, but I was just kind of like, what now? You know, what next? Mm-hmm. And, then, and then Acuna goes down and suddenly it wasn't so funny. It was like. Man, this sucks. Like I, I, I was, um, I, I've, I've stood on the show before. Like after the Falcons Super Bowl, I, I detached emotionally from all sports. So I view sports a lot differently now. It's more of entertainment for me. I'm not this. I'm not latched to it. I'm not. You know, I don't have this. You know, physical reaction to things like or emotional reaction like I used to. So Acuna going down was was devastating as far as the team. I obviously didn't think that it was like you know, oh, I'm gonna go cry in a corner, but it just kind of hit home that like, man, this is not our year. Like this, this, there's no way that they can come back from all of this. Like this, just too much, too heavy, just <clears throat> this onslaught of just crap. And, you know, we've lost two, two of our big outfielders or three, really, if you talk about Pache, or Pache I guess, but you know, mainly uh, the guy that played left field and then Acuna. And um, you just kind of go, yeah, I just, I, I think I'm kind of done with baseball for the year. Like, I don't, I don't, think we're gonna we're just we're gonna be worse than we already are and we're not good now and um you know then we obviously going further to the year and it changes but at that moment i just remember kind of thinking like i'm, I'm not really like I, my, my nights have freed up because i'm not going to be in front of the tv every night watching this team probably because they're not going to be doing that great um not that to be a fair weather fan but just meaning like that it already had gotten terrible and it kept getting worse no, no, yeah, I, I think it, yeah, I think it's a completely fair sentiment to to make. I, you know, I began to feel the same exact way, and I don't know if that ever came across on the podcast here, but like especially toward the midpoint of this season, man, I, I started getting burned out on this team, just from you know, and I've always been the guy, or I haven't always been the guy, but you know, in the past few years, I've tried to be the guy that tries to remain level-headed about sports as much as I can because it's, you know from a philosophy standpoint, it's something completely out of your control. So, you know, I look at it as don't let something out of your control dictate how you, you know, process and feel about things. But it got to the point where it's like, man, this just, this isn't enjoyable. And then you start to think about where the team was last year and how, you know, one game away and how great we were and how great the team was the year before that. And like all this stuff kind of starts to pile on. And you go into the All-Star break, and I have never been more happy to see the All-Star break roll around because if there was ever a team that needed just a week off to figure things out, it was this team. And they came out of the All-Star break and, you know, kind of kind of putting things together. They won a series here, won a series there. And then, as crazy as it sounds, I feel like the turning point of this season that you could really look at that day and say, this is where it happened was the day that we traded for Jock Peterson. I, I remember 
I remember hearing that the news that we had gotten him, and um, it was the first uh, first moment where I went, okay, well, we're not just going to lay down and roll over. Like you know, AA is making an attempt to do something, and and don't forget, you, you kind of we didn't mention it. All of this stuff was going on while we had that hanging cloud of Freddie Freeman not getting extended yet. And I think the Cunha news coupled with Freddie still not having a new contract. I started to feel like, man, I don't know if this is, this is going to look like the same team next year. I don't know if Freddie's going to want to stay. If, if this is, you know, they're not going to do anything. And then when, like you were alluding to, when they signed jock, I was like, huh, okay, we're, we're not playing dead yet. Like there, there's still some life here. Obviously I didn't think Jock Peterson was the one person to turn it around, but it did show that, Hey, we, we have to do something. Yeah, it was it was definitely I think it was a jolt not only for the fan base to see, you know, some kind of reaction to to Ronald going down. But I think it was a jolt for the team, too, you know, because none of them, you know, of course, players are going to dance around the comment of, you know, how do you replace a guy like Ronald? You know, his production is going to be missed, you know, that that sort of kind of generic speak. But I guarantee you, if any of them speak candidly, they look at Ronald getting hurt as oh, crap, like, this is not good for us at all. Well, well, he was one of the few, if I can remember correctly, he was one of the few that had some offensive output, you know, that was consistent. He was, you know, he was the one that was getting the hits. and, and Oh, and absolutely. Running, and then all of a sudden, it just is gone, you know, and like you're like, well, he, it, it, yeah, he, he's the he's the MVP of the first half for this team, w- without a doubt, and legitimately putting up MVP numbers that, you know, had he played this entire year, I think it's very much a conversation that he's bringing home the trophy in, in November, you know, the kid was having a career season and, you know, you hate to see it get cut short like that. So Atlanta brings in Jock Peterson. We trade for Jonathan Lucroy, not a big splash of a name, but somebody who has good defensive experience from behind the plate because at that point, Contreras was just not not producing how we needed him to. Neither was Kevin Smith, but then you but you look at over look at it as an experience over youth, you know, sort of thing. So at that point, your platoon is Kevin Smith and Jonathan Lucroy. So the catchers have a brand new look. You have a new outfielder who I think in his first game as a Brave matches a mammoth homer, kind of endears him to the fan base almost immediately and the Braves begin to pick it up they begin to play some decent baseball they're winning a series here winning a series there mind you they still fumble a couple of games there they're still under 500 and that's that gets us through the month of June and I think the Braves might have had the best month out of any team in the league or one of the best months because it got them right around 500 they were really toying with it mind you we still had the uh the 17 game alternating win loss scenario going on which was an entertaining couple of weeks but then we go into the trade deadline um and well i was going to reference an episode that we did here but that's the lost episode so i can't reference that (laughs) the one that bobby came on with bobby Bobby! So we go into the trade deadline, and again, it's one of those scenarios where we make a splash early. Uh, we, we trade, we we get Duvall back, um, which you know I, I still remain on, on the fence that you know we never should have let him go, but uh, we we get Duvall back. Uh, we made who who was the other move that we made? We made um, one. I want it was either uh, 
Solaire or Rosario was one of the early ones. I think I think it was Rosario. I think Rosario was the first move we made. Then we got Duvall, and then the Solaire news came along, and it was like, okay, we're adding adding quite a few quite a few bats. All right, and then crickets kind of went quiet, and then we traded Bryce Wilson for Richard Rodriguez which felt like a pretty big splash. And mind you, as as well as Solaire has done, this was a move that a lot of people weren't exactly thrilled about because Solaire's numbers in Kansas City this season before coming to Atlanta weren't great at all. He, if I remember correctly, wasn't he hurt or he, he had something wrong with him that he, he didn't have quite the year that he normally – he didn't have a Solaire-type year, I don't think, there. Yeah. Um, and, and I think the biggest thing – that I can recall people being iffy about was, hey, we're bringing a guy that's a DH to play outfield, you know, and it's like, right. you know, I think his glove was suspect. A lot of people didn't believe that he was going to have a defense. Uh, and, you know, I, I remember that day I was in my office at work and I usually try to leave work about three, three thirty at the latest. Cause you know, Atlanta traffic and, and it takes an hour to go anywhere. And, um, I remember I was like intently watching everything on Twitter, all the news coming across. And I was like, oh, this is cool. We're making some moves, doing some stuff. Never had that like aha moment thing. Um, and then I got in the car and was listening on MLB Network Radio on Sirius. And and I remember just trying to get home so I could watch the rest of it, you know, or, or, or listen to the rest of it or follow along. And um, I remember like it was it was like it's like watching a, a a clock tick down like New Year's Eve, you know, it's like coming down to that final few minutes, few seconds, like, Oh my God. And you know, this stuff still happens afterwards. And you're like, okay, I feel like we did. Okay. But I, I actually, I, I feel like, I think the Solaire move actually came right at the, right at the deadline. Like, yeah, I think we had like right there. Yeah. Well, and I know, I know Rodriguez did. Rodriguez didn't break till like four thirty that afternoon. Yeah. I, um, but I, I just, I remember thinking, okay, I'm I'm happy that Anthopolis is making moves. I don't know enough about these guys, most of them anyway. I know Rodriguez had beat us not too long ago, um, before that before we'd gotten him at the deadline. But um, I didn't know uh, Rosario was in the American League with the Indians. You know, Solaire's you hear about his name, watch the Sports Center stuff. But I didn't really know about him. And like I said, I'm not a stats guy, so I don't research all these guys. Um, I just knew that I I knew Solaire had led the league. And home runs, not or, uh, maybe just AL, but you know, I knew he was a power hitter. But um, I was just happy that we were making moves, and I didn't realize until obviously these guys started producing just how significant they were. But it, it, I was, I was happy that Anthopolis was at least considering us as contenders still, and that we needed to be buyers and not sellers. Because um, you know, keep in mind that the reason that we were able to hang around in the division was that the Phillies and Mets were, were stumbling about as bad as we were. Um, you know, I don't think we ever got more than five, six, seven games out of first place. I mean, it's not like we were, you know, striving back 20 games, but I mean, you know, we, we were able to hang in there because they weren't doing well either. Nobody really wanted to go out and get it, uh, or take it. So, um, the trade deadline, like I felt rejuvenated. I think I even tweeted about it. I like, I, I, I need to apologize to this, <laughs> to the, the general manager, because I have, uh, not had a lot of faith in the team in the first half of the season. And then he goes out there and pulls some strings and uh, did it, you know, assassin like, like he always, like you never hear anything about, hey, the Braves are possibly looking at this guy or hey, this night, you know, all of a sudden, hey, we got this guy. Awesome. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah. I, I was, I was more pleased by the fact we were making moves 
and then I didn't fully appreciate it until after these guys started contributing of how great they were for us. Well, and, and when you look at you look at who we got versus who we gave up, I mean, I, once again, you know, we harp on Anthopolis pulling off these ridiculous deals, but he did nothing short of that at this deadline. I mean, when you mm-hmm. consider the fact that, you know, the best player that we gave up was Bryce Wilson, who, you know, as much as I love the guy, he really had no spot here. Yeah. You know, we we re, basically retooled our outfield and bench. We leveraged our bullpen by adding a really big piece to it on a very friendly contract. And, you know, the only major league name we really gave up was Pablo Sandoval. I, you, you can't help but just be happy coming away from that deadline. So that was that was on Friday, July 30th. About a week later, on August 5th, for the first time all season, the Braves reached 500. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, Jeff, I think that occurred on game 108. And the kind of poignant thing about that is with baseball, there's always the old phrase of, in baseball, everyone's going to win 54, lose 54, and it's the other 54 games that determine how you end up. And so through the first 108, we won 54 and we lost 54. So in the last third of the season, somehow the Braves managed to turn things around and take the division into the last week of the season. Okay, so I promised a bit of a rant on this episode. I said all of this to say... I want to direct a comment at the New York Metropolitans and the Philadelphia Phillies. And my point is this. You both blew it. Both of you. You had a team that had won this division at this point three years in a row. One of you went out a few years ago and spent stupid money. The other one of you got a new owner in the offseason, and suddenly had the second largest payroll in all of baseball. You added pieces to make a splash. You made the big trades at the deadline. In the Phillies' case, you forked over some big farm pieces for a couple of pitchers who have not produced for you. You had a team chomping at your heels all season who, mind you, couldn't figure out a way to get over 500 who had players being held together by Band-Aids and Bubblegum, whose best bench b- bench bat for a majority of the season was Pablo Sandoval, and who, who lost their generational player at the halfway point of the season, who to that point was their only player really producing well enough for this team. And yet, you still couldn't take the division. Looking ahead at the postseason, to be honest with you, you know, I don't have as much confidence in this team as I have over the past couple of years because on paper, sure, this team might not be as strong as they were last year. They might not even be as strong as they were in 2019. But I would at least revel in the fact that because we made the postseason, that means that our two biggest rivals did not. And that might be all right enough for me. I was really hoping that the uh, Phillies would lose out so they wouldn't have 
uh, winning season this year because I think they were only two or three games away from having like their eighth or ninth consecutive losing or or 500 season. Um, I, so I think I was, it would have been their tenth. Their last winning season was in 2011 before this year. Yeah, I, I was after we won the division. That was what I was pulling for. I was like, let's just go ahead and step on it. Let's let's make them. Yeah, I was I was rooting for chaos at that point. Um, but yeah, I I'm with you on the on the rant. I um I, I thought we were out of it. They turned it around. They took advantage of the Phillies and and Mets doing just like you said, and and nobody taking charge, taking it and running away with it. Um, we all thought the Mets were going to be the Mets. We thought they would do it earlier in the year. Fortunately, they did end up doing it. Uh, we just had to catch them. But um, I, I I tweeted, I don't know, a week or so ago. Maybe maybe it was even after they won the division. I don't even remember. But um, I was like, I just I apologize. I said some stupid things about this team this year, mostly out of frustration, mostly out of just kind of um, just being upset with them not performing. Um, but you know, you have those fans that no matter what they do or how bad they are, they're the diehards, man. They're the ones that are like, oh, they're. They're still, you know, we we still won that one game, you know. I'm not that guy. Um, yeah, I'm just, you know, I, I'm not saying I root just for the team when they're good, but you know, it's it's hard, virtually impossible, to be excited about a team that cannot get above 500. And you know, that's where I was. I think we talked about it. like I'm just, I was kind of ready to write them off. And uh, I think the trade deadline rejuvenated us as fans. It obviously rejuvenated the team. Um, going into the postseason, I feel that our offense can hang out with anybody. Um, they, you know, they're, they're spotty sometimes. They don't always sit on all cylinders, but usually someone steps up. Um, I, and I, I said this in our group chat today, I am more worried about our pitching failing us. Um, not in the sense of like, haha, Will Smith. I mean, but like, just, it, I, I feel like if we, we still have a hole it's the inconsistency of the pitching. We were going to have to have Max Freed be Max Freed. Uh, Morton's going to have to be Morton. Uh, the bullpen, granted, they've been pitching a lot better of late. Uh, we, we can't have those innings that get away from us like that. Um, it's just everything's tightened down in the postseason. And I feel that if there's any glaring uh, weakness, it could be the pitching um, in my mind. So if, if we go out there and we – start pitching really well. I say we like I'm playing for them, but if the Braves go out there and pitch um, and, and, the, and they can kind of maintain what they've been doing the last few weeks, I think we're going to be fine. I, I, I looked at it today, and when I saw the physical bracket, when I saw the, the visual of the way the bracket struck, constructed, and the only thing that's standing in our way is the Brewers, first off. I think we can beat the Brewers. Um, I, I was thinking about it. If I, if, in my mind, if the Dodgers – don't make it in. If the Cardinals can beat the Dodgers and they play the Giants and we beat the Brewers, I don't care if it's the Cardinals or the Giants. I feel like we can beat either one of those teams. Um, I think we beat both of them pretty badly here coming down the stretch. Um, so I don't I don't feel like it's one of those things where, well, maybe we'll get a couple games. Like I genuinely feel like we could, uh, could go to the World Series. Granted, I don't know who you'd be facing, the Rays, the Sox, some of those guys over there. They're incredible in the American League, but um, if you had told me at the beginning of August that I'm saying we could go to the World Series, I would have probably been laughed off Twitter, um, you know, by by everyone, myself included. But 
to, to be in the position to even say that right now is, is phenomenal. And, um, and I'm looking forward to the postseason. And I, I disagree in a sense of I, th- I actually think this team can do more than the team we had in the past. Um, and I don't know if that's just kind of recency bias because they've done so well in that last third that we're, right. we're kind of riding that high. But as we're constructed right now, I think that we're if, if, if everybody's on, I think we're good. And, uh, and I think we're good enough. Uh, well, what I what I will say is that this team more so than the last couple of years feels like maybe it has a little more steam going into the postseason yeah. than those two teams did. And part of that may be because, you know, the past two years we won the post. We, we won the division earlier than we did last year or than we did this year. So it was almost like you kind of had a couple of weeks where, you know, la di da, this doesn't is this doesn't exactly matter. Whereas, you know, it came down to the wire. Then you played a really good weekend series against the Mets and took two out of three there. And now you have a few days off. Morton's going to be on regular rest for game one on Friday. And, you know, go you go for it from there. Let, let me ask you this, Jeff. Does this year, does winning the division, how does it compare to winning it the previous three years? Um, well... It's kind of a loaded question because I think in the previous years we were expected to, and we were, um, it was uh, our, other than 18. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. But it, in the, in the last two, anyway, we were, I think we were, it was ours to lose. Um, this year, and we've already said it a few times already, uh, we didn't, none of us thought we'd be here. So, uh, I think that we have this huge, head of steam, this momentum going into it. I think it always means a little bit more, um, at least to me personally as a fan. I don't know about to the team, obviously, but for me personally, it means more winning this year because of where we were, where we came from, everything that they had to go through, all the, the trials and tribulations and injuries and the drama with Azuna and still not knowing about Freddie. Um, for them to persevere, and, and, and do all of that stuff. And then when AA goes out and says, I believe in you guys, here's some pieces to help. And then those guys help. Um, I think it gives you a tremendous amount of uh, uh, kind of momentum and just feeling like confident that, that you can do it. So I feel like this is a stronger division win than years past. Um, have we been, you know, up 12 games and like you said, won it, you know, with a week and a half left in the season ho-hum, but to, to kind of crescendo there at the end and, and, and take it and actually go out and get it and, and beat the team that you were racing for it, um, that's, that's just a big head of steam. And I, I, I think that's given me that thought of, hey, we could really go forward with this. So for me personally, I think it was of the four consecutive ones, this one means the most as a fan to me personally. Yeah, I, I I agree completely. And, and I think the players agree with that sentiment too because I, I heard quite a few of those guys kind of mirror you know those same kind of comments I think Snicker said especially that you know this is the most memorable one for him just because of how difficult this season actually was and you know yeah Snicker has made some weird decisions this year but you know find me a manager who doesn't make odd decisions throughout a 162 game baseball season but you know think about what all he had to navigate through too at times during this season I mean it has been that kind of year and so for Atlanta to take the division, I think is is nothing just short of incredible. I um I think the next big thing is is uh 
hopefully lock down Freddie. Uh, I think when we traded Bryce Ball away, I felt like for me, I was like, that may be kind of a, a signal that we're going to do something because he essentially is our backup first baseman, uh, at least in the minors. And so when we let him go, I felt like that may be a little inkling of us trying to do something with Freddie. I don't know. Obviously there's, uh, you know, the business end of things and, and we don't know. And we aren't privy to all the details. There's some reason why they haven't gotten it all done. We don't know, but, um, I have a, I have more faith now that he'll come back uh, and not test the market based off of what they did this season. I was worried that if they didn't, if we were, if we were sellers at the deadline and didn't replace Acuna with pieces that we thought could do anything, and we just kind of rolled over, I was worried that that would signal to Freddie that, hey, we're 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 going to be rebuilding for a little bit again, or maybe we're going to be set back a little bit. And maybe he wouldn't be on board with that. But um, I think just the fight that the team put up and everything, at least in my mind, hopefully gave a little bit of credence to him staying here. Um, we have no, I mean, obviously money is a huge factor. I don't know what's going to go on with the Zuna contract and all that, but um, it's not as easy as just saying it. But I would love to back up a Brinks truck to Freddie's house and be like, take as much as you want, play, <laughs> play, play the rest of your career here, you know. Right, um, and and I hope they can get that done. Um, I know he said he wants to be here. I know Alex has said that he wants him to be here. So uh, hopefully the business sort can get worked out, and um, or the business can get sorted out, and uh, and he'll be our first baseman for the foreseeable future. Well, Jeff, speaking of the foreseeable future, now is the time where we will go to our final segment on this week's show and take a look at the upcoming postseason bracket. Just like that, the 2021 MLB postseason is upon us. Jeff and I are going to take a look at the bracket and give just kind of our overview and, and thoughts on, on the matchups, kicking things off tomorrow night in what is quite possibly MLB's best outcome for a wild card game on the American League side. You have Yankees Red Sox facing off against each other for the wild card in a one game elimination. Jeff, what, what do you I, think? Well, or what I call every Sunday night baseball. <laughs> yeah, fair point. Fair point. So the atmosphere for this game should be uh, should be pretty great, though, right? I think. Are they in Boston or New York? I I think they're in New York, if I'm not mistaken. Well, but I'll, way, I'll, I'll, like, I'll double check that. Yeah. yeah either I, way, this fan base is going to be hyped. Yeah, absolutely. They will. I mean, you're talking about you know two rivals. Coming down to a one-game elimination. Oh no, it's in Boston. It's at Fenway. So that might be even better than Yankee Stadium, dare I say. But yeah, I mean, one-game elimination. Any any predictions for this? Any any thoughts on who might pull this one off? I really don't. I know the Yankees went out there and made a, a big effort with Rizzo and a couple other guys to to. Uh, I think well, didn't they get uh, Odor and a couple other guys right there at the deadline? Um, yeah, yeah, they did. I mean, they certainly push the chips in on the table. So, I mean, it's the Yankees, but you kind of say they, 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 they manufactured their way here. You know what I mean? Like they did what they needed to do to get here. Um, I don't know. I, I don't follow American league that closely. It's really not as much as I do national league, but um, I would, I would think probably I would have to give the edge to the Red Sox in this one. I, I think they get it done, especially if they're home. I think that, atmosphere I, I think they could uh could pull it through yeah absolutely and let's see uh, don't 
they they'll have it'll be Garrett Cole versus Nate Eovaldi in that mm. game. So yeah, that's gonna be good. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be a good one. And the winner of that game will move on to face the number one seeded Tampa Bay Rays in the divisional series. Boy, the Rays having a franchise season this year, hitting 100 wins for the first time in that team's history. Um, kind of ran away with the AL East after after coming back and getting out in front of the Red Sox uh, toward the later part of the season. But boy, this Tampa Bay team not going anywhere anytime soon, just full of homegrown guys, one of the lower payrolls in all of baseball, but just a fun team to watch. Yeah, they uh, they do it relatively quiet, too, or quietly. They, they're not out there. Of course, you know, they're not as big in names as the other people in the in the AL side for the postseason. But, um, yeah, you just kind of – it seems like they're kind of perennial postseason team now. Like, yeah, they're just – they always kind of end up being there. Um, and that that AL East is, is, you know, typically been dominated by the Yankees. So it's kind of nice to see some other teams out there um, doing something different. Absolutely. So – then on the other, uh, on the bottom half of the American League bracket, you have the AL Central champion White Sox facing off against the AL West Astros. Astros still hanging in there, not quite going anywhere, which might, you know, this might be their last go round uh, with, with a team like they have here. But then you also have the upstart White Sox, who, after getting a taste of the postseason last year, really ran away with the AL Central this season and have come to be a very formidable young team this this should be a fun series to watch jeff i think so i um i i think the that the white Sox ultimately take it i don't think it's going to be an easy series um i think like you said houston still feels like they have something to prove i believe but um i don't i don't know if you can get past all that talent they have on that white Sox roster man they're uh they're deep and they remind they remind me of kind of the braves a little bit in the fact that they're a younger, the little more show-off, the little more vibrant team. Um, not that that's going to, you know, translate to a win, but I just I, it reminds me of, of us a lot, or our team a lot. Um, but I think they will take the edge. I I think the ALCS will be the the, the Rays and Sox, White Sox. Okay, all right. So now we head on to the National League side of things. Kicking things off for the National League this week on Wednesday night will be the National League wildcard game. The St. Louis Cardinals against the Dodgers. Predicted starters for this game. Actually, I think announced starters for this game. Starting for St. Louis will be Adam Wainwright. And starting for the Dodgers, Max Scherzer. A one-game winner-take-all starting at 8.10 p.m. Eastern time in Dodger Stadium. Boy, you know, any other year, I think you could look at this game and say, bah, Dodgers in a landslide. But bearing in mind a couple of things. One, you never know what's going to happen in a single game. You, you just yeah. you yeah. you never know. And two, you're playing the Cardinals who have devil magic this time of year. They've won, what, like 93 games in a row or something? It, it's something like that, yeah. The the season. It, it's crazy. Like, and you you know, like you said, you always kind of you think the the payroll, the Dodgers, and they got all the names and they got all the 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 talent over there. But the Cardinals, they're they're riding a huge momentum into this postseason. So um, I it pains me to say it. I I, I almost don't even want to, but I'm I'm kind of rooting for the Cardinals to bounce the Dodgers because I think that the Braves will have an easier path 
without the Dodgers there. I think any of those teams would have an easier path with the Dodgers. Oh, yeah. But, I, I, um, I, I think I think National League or American League teams, I don't care who you are, you are rooting for the Cardinals in this game because you hope that L.A. can get – this is the best-case scenario to see L.A. get bounced out of the playoffs. Absolutely. And, and, uh, and a, a small portion of it, too, is if we can get past the Brewers and, and somehow the, the Cardinals beat the, the Dodgers and then somehow take the Giants, I'd like some redemption against the Cardinals. I mean, I think it would be prime to, to beat them to go to the World Series. Uh, I think that that's a sweet ending to a story uh, or, or closing chapters to a story uh, to get them back for what they did to us in that DLS game five. So, um, yeah, I, I just I'm, I'm pulling for the Cardinals in that wild card game. Beyond that, we'll have to see. So then the, the winner of that wild card game, as mentioned, will go on to face the Giants in the divisional series. So, you know, e- even if L.A. does get past the Cardinals, which, you know, I, I, it's still probably a strong likelihood that they will. Then we get a very fun and entertaining five game set between the Giants and the Dodgers who have battled against each other all season long. You have the Dodgers who have had their had their streak of seven consecutive NL West championships broken by the Giants, who seemingly came out of nowhere this season. And it still doesn't necessarily make sense that they were as good as they were this year. You know, 100-plus wins with the the staff that they have. I mean, sure, they added Chris Bryant at the deadline. But, you know, when you look at what that team has produced this year, gosh, it's nothing sort of short of incredible because I don't think anybody quite saw that coming. No, and if you look at the Giants, they look like a church league softball team. Like, they do not look like they are the the NOS. They're old. They're old. I mean, they have to be the oldest team on average in the across the entire league. They're also younger than I am, so I don't know. But um, Eh, that's fair. Most people are. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I I did not. I did not expect them to to do as well. I certainly didn't expect them to to take the division. I think that we all kind of just got lost in the the dollar signs in the roster for the for the Dodgers, and you see. They always add pieces, and they have these massive contracts, and they just won the World Series. Like they, you know, they're they're going to be there forever. And then all of a sudden, the Giants are like, man, not so fast. And you see the group that they did it with, and you're like, man, I mean, you know, you know Brandon Belt and a couple of the guys. But beyond that, like, there's some guys I've never even heard of until we played them a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, I don't know the roster that well, but um, I think that uh, I think that the Dodgers are obviously playing a little pissed off because they privileged or not believe they should be there and uh i think that the giants will probably continue to play like they or play them like if 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 the dodgers go i think the giants will con, uh, continue to play them as they have all season which is you know better than the dodgers so uh i i whoever the dodgers play i'll be pulling like, you know for whoever else or whoever they're playing is who i'm pulling for yeah good point good point And as we've already briefly touched on, but we can dive into more here in the National League Division Series, the Braves take on the Brewers, where the Brewers will have home field advantage to begin the series. So you take, you know, one of the National League's better offenses from Atlanta, and then you take on arguably the National League's best starting three of Milwaukee, especially when you look at what Brandon Woodruff has done this season and Boy, this is this is quite the matchup for Atlanta, Jeff. Yeah, I don't 
I said earlier, I think we beat them. I, I still think we do. I don't think it's going to be a pushover. Um, I don't think we go out there and just show off against them. I think it's going to be a hard-fought battle. It's going to be tooth and nail. Um, but, again, I think we're riding that momentum. I think we got the head of steam, and I think that says a lot. Um, another neat thing about this series is uh, this was the the year for Hank Aaron, 444 for the hashtag, and we have Hank's two teams battling out in the postseason. So I think that's kind of a neat little byproduct of this um, uh, you know, in, in the year that we lost Hank Aaron. Here's the two teams facing off against each other. Yeah, and you know, I'm I'm certain they'll do something pretty cool before game one, at least, um, with with both teams, you know, being there together. Heck, maybe they'll even have some kind of patch on. You know, both teams will have the 44 patch on their on their jerseys or or something neat like that. It's yeah, I, it's very cool that somehow these two teams were matched up. But yeah, I agree with you. I think. I definitely think this is a series that Atlanta can win, but I don't think it's going to, it's going to come easy. Um, you know, you would prefer obviously to take this game in three, just go ahead and get it done. But I could, I could definitely see this, this series going five. Um, and I don't know if there will be any kind of blowouts type wins. I think a lot of them could be very, very close. And so, uh, you know, if our starters can go out and do well enough to keep us in the game and, you know, Atlanta can then scratch a run or two across Milwaukee's starters, what's going to have to happen then is the bullpen's going to have to hold up their end of the bargain. Yeah. Um, now, fortunately, you know, Milwaukee's bullpen has become that much shorter after after they lost one of their their big pieces last week, uh, broke his hand celebrating winning the division. So uh, kind of Can't a worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, can, can relate. Kind of the can kind relate. of the worst time of year to uh, be pulling that kind of stunt. Although um, I, I do I do feel better for what it's worth that you know a broke kid is being pissed off. Yeah. Rather than celebrating because that's just stupid. I mean, it's stupid all around to be a pitcher and be hitting stuff. But I mean, I can understand it if you're pissed off. But if you are like like you're celebrating, why would you do that? Like why? Right, I, right. I, you know, I'm I mean, selfishly. I'm, I'm I'm okay that he's not playing. I think that's a, an advantage for us. Um, but yeah, I mean, could you imagine Braves Twitter if uh, one of our guys went out and did that at this stage of the game? Um, I mean, obviously we had it happen earlier in the season, but I mean, like, could you imagine celebrating a division win and punching something? Like, it would burn Braves Twitter to the ground. Uh, yeah, it would. But like you said, that that certainly helps our cause because it makes that Milwaukee bullpen, which actually isn't that great, uh, that much shorter for Atlanta. So I think, you know, on paper, when you look at it, I think our lineup is better. I think our bench is better. I think our bullpen is better. The only thing really Milwaukee beats us in is, is their starting rotation. Um, so it those first, you know, the, 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 those first couple of games, realistically, you've got to take at least one of the first one of the first two yeah with, with morton and freed on the mound you have to take one of those just to, yeah, you, you don't want your back up against the wall right off the bat you know you want to you want to at least have something to to build on and and and, and give yourself a chance out the gate because if you get down oh two or, or i'm sorry if you get down that first game like you know it's, it's it becomes must win almost immediately and it's just like you know you better have a little bit of control over what you're doing i believe yeah, and, and you know, even if you even if you split the first two games, then you come back to Atlanta tied one one 
and you come back to, to Truist Park for a two-game set, and, and I would dare put the atmosphere of Truist Park in the postseason up against any ballpark, you know, it, across the league, then then you really have a legitimate shot at that point. Um, but got to take care of business in, in games one and two and at least scratch away one of those because it's going to be a tough series. going to be a tough series against the Brewers. But it, it's kind of interesting playing a team that you kind of don't necessarily hate or have any, like, ill feelings towards? Yeah, you know? I mean, yeah, you really don't, because we don't see them that often. There's not a lot of angst or, or you know, bad blood or history between the two. I mean, obviously, they've, they've put us out before, but... Um, they kind of feel like our stepbrother, like, in, in a way. Like, they're kind of... Yeah. yeah you know, it, it, it's kind of a shared history sort of thing. But I, I think that could be an advantage, the fact you can just go out and play baseball. There's no narrative on the side that the, the guys are going to have to hear in the locker room from being interviewed all week or what about this or you know what about right, the last right, time right. you guys played like you literally can just kind of go out there and play baseball um so I, I think there's advantages to that I think it'd be different if we had to play the the, the Cardinals or, or someone else that we have this you know built-in history with that, that you have to deal with on top of the game itself yeah, I feel, I feel like we just go out there and play baseball hey it's the Brewers let's go beat them um, yeah that 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 thing well, it's kind of like one of those, like, you know, coming into the, the Red Series last season, you know, for the three-game wild card set, you know, the entire narrative coming into that series was, oh, Trevor Bauer, Trevor Bauer having this dominant season. Braves got to face Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer, like, it was that, you know, and, and sure, you know, Woodruff has been great for the Brewers, but, like, he doesn't have that aura coming into this series that a Bauer necessarily did, you know, last year. Or then when you moved on to to the National League Divisional Series last se- last year, you had to play the Marlins. And the Marlins were that, ooh, they're not supposed to be here. They're a dangerous yeah. team. You know, you got to be careful. And, and I'll be honest, I was nervous about that Marlins series. Because I was yeah, like, well, you know, I was like, gosh, this is definitely not a series that I wanted to see. I think that I was, I was nervous in the sense that they could just end our season. I mean, I, you know, I, I was I – was, okay about the fact that we we knew them well and we played right. them, you know what 19 times a year like we knew what we were up against I think that was good for for planning and all that but well I think um, I was nervous from the sense that like it was it going into it it felt like it could have been a trap series yeah you know you were nervous that, because you pull for a team in the state of Georgia that's fine yeah that, that's that's fair that's fair <laughs> but, I think you know, um, we, yeah go, go ahead. ahead no no you go ahead but, you know, to turn it back into the Brewers, it's, you know, there's not that that strong narrative, you know, going into this series with them. So I think, like you said, that kind of plays to our benefit of just you go out and you play baseball. You, you, you've got a best of five. You go out and, and try to take three. And, and, that, and that's it. Well, I, th- I think, too, the narrative was squashed last year by us winning the playoff series that we not won for a thousand years. And that the, the the team had to hear about every time we made the postseason. Oh, they're going to win a playoff series. They haven't won one in so many years. And we beat the Reds, and then we backed it up by beating the Marlins, and came close to to almost beating the Dodgers, but uh, and should have beat the Dodgers with three to one. But um, they got that monkey off their back, so they're not going to have to hear that. And, and so I think the 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 national media doesn't have a lot to talk about other than kind of the the Cinderella like third of the season that we had. And I think that's what they're going to focus on. And, and um, you, you don't have all these underlying issues or, or uh, drama to, to to have to worry about. You can just go out there and kind of play baseball. And I, and I think that's our advantage. Um, and, and, and again, if if my thought is if we 
go out there and get swept. I mean, we absolutely play like dog crap. I'm not going to be that upset. I mean, it's, it's going to suck that we got here and didn't go further. Um, and, and I do believe we have the team that can go to the World Series, but off the heels of where we were a month and a half ago, I'm not going to be that upset if we don't do well. Um, I don't think it's going to be doom and gloom. I don't think it's tear everything up and break it to the break it down to the studs and redo it. It's we probably weren't going to be here, but we got here, and and we 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 didn't we didn't perform. I I don't think it's going to be as bad as it was last year, where it was three to one, and we let the Dodgers walk right back on us. Um, so from my personal standpoint, if we don't play well, if we don't make it as far as the next round or even the the you know, or the World Series, it's not doom and gloom in my eyes. It's hey, we 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 got there, we gave it a shot. Let's regroup next year. Hopefully, we can keep some of these players. Hopefully, there's the DH. Uh, hopefully, there's baseball. I mean, it depends on the, the collective bargaining agreement, obviously. But yeah. um, but I, I don't. I, I I just approach this postseason completely different than I have in the years past, where I don't have that uh, kind of cocky attitude of oh, we're the Braves, man. We got a coon. We're supposed to be here. This is ours to lose. Uh, we we kind of got in the back door and and we're here. And if we do anything beyond that, that's great. And if we don't, well, okay. You know, that, that's my personal view. Uh, and, and I hope that we, we do go far. Nothing to lose, man. Nothing. House money. House, House money. money. That's it. That's it. I love it. Well, Jeff, thanks again for coming on this week, man. This has been a blast. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. I guess I'll see you, uh, what, October 4th, 2022? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Jeff and I realized that uh, well, Jeff realized it as we came onto the show that he was on our big postseason preview show last year on this exact date of October tw- of October 4th. Yeah, we had uh, Michael Kelly, Mark Owens, Grant McCauley. Um, so, yeah, so at least pencil me in for this time next year. Hopefully we have a postseason show to talk about again. Oh, I'm sure we will, my friend. I'm sure we will. Yeah, thanks again for uh, for coming on and, and filling in for Alex. We We appreciate you joining us this week nah man i had a blast as always thanks for having me well for jeff donahue this is cam matthews signing off we'll see you next week for another brand new episode of the chatting average podcast bye With that, we've reached the end of the show. If you want to connect with the show, you can contact us via text or voicemail at 678-242-9408 or on Twitter at Average Chatting. If you enjoy the show, please consider becoming a patron at www.patreon.com slash chattingaverage. We'll see you all next week on another brand new episode of the Chatting Average Podcast.